Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Let's Talk CFL Podcast. Roundtable discussion recorded live on Sunday and Wednesday nights. Visit Let's Talk CFL on Facebook for showtime. Brought to you by the Let's Talk Sports Group on Facebook. Our partners, LostWorldOnSports.com. Stream live on BlogTalkRadio.com. Hey, good evening, sports fans. This is the Let's Talk CFL podcast, episode number 556. I'm your host, Christopher Jones, coming to you from Merritt, British Columbia. Yeah, that's right. I'm over a BC Lions fan. And yes, I know they did, they lost the, the semifinal. And I don't care, or the final game, Western final. I don't care. Okay, the mics are open for everybody here, so whatever noise you're going to make, it's going to work. Um, yeah, it, 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 it's over. Okay. So we got two games. We got two teams down. Winnipeg Blue Bombers are playing the Montreal Alouettes for the Grey Cup. And yeah, that's it. Toronto is gone. Uh, BC is gone. That's it. No big deal. Okay. So, um, anyhow, oh, let's, uh, open the phone lines. We've done that. And Charles, welcome to the show, buddy. How you doing? I'm doing good. Sad at the, uh, result on the weekend, but hey, you win some, you lose some. So, Maybe they can save their Grey Cup till next year here in Vancouver. Well, that would definitely be a good thing, wouldn't it? Yeah, I would think so. I I, Mm -hmm. I think so. I mean, hey, the team's getting better every year, so uh, Mm -hmm. there's promise. I mean, I'll tell you, back, what, two, three years ago, they were absolute shit and garbage. So um, they've come a long way. They've been the number two in the Western Division for the last two years. So uh, how is that not a bad thing? That's true. It's not. It, it, it's a good thing. Uh, they good just point. need to improve yep. a few things, maybe like a running game, maybe a defensive line, maybe an O-line. Mm-hmm. Who knows? They'll probably that would all be good. It. Work on some DBs. I don't know if TJ Lee is coming back. like to see him back. I, I, I kind of figured this was going to be his last year, but we'll see. You never know. And especially if he tore his Achilles, which it sounds uh, like he did. Achilles. Apparently yeah, both uh, him and Keon Hatcher. Yeah, Ken Hatcher, and they said that they are not going to be ready for the beginning of next season. No, that's okay. correct. Okay, okay, so shit happens. Um, okay, mm-hmm. William, welcome to the show, buddy. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. And uh, I, I, I was, I was not unhappy to see the BC Lions lose because I really don't. I don't really don't like the BC Lions, but oh, you used to pick BC all the time. You changed. You, you, I've never picked BC that often. Oh, you. It's only because Ed, a... it's only because Edmonton and Saskatchewan are there, and I hate them too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but like I told you, like I told you earlier, <laughs> BC needs a running game. Okay, something that resembles a running game. Um, I think they also need a bigger defensive line so people can't run on them. Um, But, hey, that's what – I mean, there is not a team in the CFL after this Sunday that shouldn't make changes because only one team is going to win the Grey Cup. And and they need to make changes. That means the other teams – that means the other teams weren't good enough. Okay, mm-hmm. so so everybody has to make but, changes. Yeah, yeah, and the team that and the team that wins has to make changes because they got to get better because the other teams will get better. Yes, yes, and and my only question is, 
what team will Sean Lemon play for next year? <laughs> yeah. Because Montreal's well, we not going to keep him. Half, Garrett Davis. Half of next year. Montreal's not going to keep him. I guarantee you. Montreal's not going to keep him. Because nobody keeps him for some reason. I don't know why. Keeps getting well, hey, if he, it out. If he, the thing is, if, if he keeps uh, only playing half a season, that means his career could end up going longer because he's not playing the full season. Keeps well, yeah, but... CC should have brought him yeah. back. Well, they did. <laughs> no, they after they released him, they should have brought him back. Well, they yeah, should have. I don't know why they. I don't know why they didn't. Yeah, I don't either. I don't either. Anyhow, I got to like, get going here. They, so, Rudy, welcome to the show, buddy. How are you doing? Good. Getting ready for the big game. I, I, I'm I'm ready for a great cup week off. How about that? Of, of not fretting over the the final result. So. Yeah, getting getting grueling. Okay. Um, so you got. I'm out of here, guys. I, as I told thanks. people, I I, I got a, a a mare that's foaling right now. I got to head out to the barn, and I will come back as soon as I can get back into the show. So you guys take over, have fun, talk football, and uh, we'll see what happens. Okay, sounds good. Yep. Okay, well, I guess uh, CJ's gone, so I'm going to pick it up from here. Um, I don't have control of the board, but we'll just keep going as it is. Uh, so we've done our introduction, so we'll go right into our reviews for uh, last week's games. Uh, we got to start with the big shocker of the weekend. Montreal were heavy favorites. I don't know, was they about, they were at least a touchdown under, or Montreal was heavy underdogs, I should say. Toronto was a heavy favorite. I think they were about a seven, seven and a, nine and a half point underdog. Heading into Toronto with one of the biggest crowds that the Toronto Argos have uh, ever had. Toronto coming off of a 16 and two season. What could possibly go wrong? Well, once you watch that game, the answer is everything. At least for the Toronto Argonauts, who uh, completely imploded in this one. A game they were heavily favored to win. And it started right from the first Toronto drive, where they were actually moving the ball quite well. And then all of a sudden... Uh, MVP, uh, MOP candidate there, Chad Kelly, throws a pick six, goes back to the other way, and it kind of spiraled out of control from there. Um, not the um, development that many people were expecting, including myself, and I think including most of us. I mean, I think pretty much everybody... Uh, with the exception of very few, go off and pick uh, the uh, Montreal or the uh, Toronto Argonauts to win, but Montreal gets to win, thirty-eight to seventeen. Two pick sixes in this one, nine turnovers overall for the um, Toronto Argonauts. Uh, a very unexpected uh, result, but it happened. I'll let uh, you go first on this one. Well, what did you think of this one? This was uh, this one caught me completely off guard. Well, if you noticed, I picked Toronto or I picked Montreal. Like, just so you know, um, I don't you know did, why I fair. picked Montreal, 
but I did. Um, but I always pick Montreal. Um, you know what? It's, it, it, it was not even – I mean, the first pick six – we should have just thought, okay, this is not going to go well because, let's face it, he threw the ball right into that guy's hands, and that guy ran all the way down the field and scored a touchdown. And uh, you know what? And once again, once again, it proves to us the regular season means very little when you get to the playoffs. Toronto was heavily favored, and they couldn't do anything right other than their special teams had a little bit of success, but that's about all you can say. And they they ran into a jack team that, I mean, the score would have been 75 nothing if Montreal had a quarterback, okay? Because their offense, their offense was horrible. And the defense kept them in the game the entire game, and mm-hmm. the result was the result was pretty pretty scary. And I mean, I, I'm I'm really happy because I don't like I don't like Ryan Dinwiddie. Okay, um, I think uh, maybe maybe uh, Chad Kelly lost because of his ugly haircut. Okay, <laughs> ugliest haircut I've ever seen in my life. Um, and that dude has to loosen up a little bit. Okay, like I mean, he's so uptight, it's scary. I mean, you don't see you don't see Zach Kolaris, uh, you know, needing an animal when he's out there on the field. He's having fun. Okay, so i i i think I think Chad Kelly tried to do much too too much, and it just backfired on him and it went downhill and once it started rolling downhill, they couldn't pull it back and of course, Montreal's defense was over the top, and they were great and i'm and I'm happy for a guy like Sean Lemon because nobody wanted him at the beginning of the year, and now he's in the gray cup so Anyways, go ahead. Your turn, Rudy. What did you think of this? Well, it's your typical CFL, uh, you know, upset special that uh, <laughs> happens uh, fairly regularly in the league. Um, I thought uh, Chad Kelly, I think the wins came pretty easy for him this year. And when you're playing teams in the first half of the season, you're getting wins and Toronto's defense is so good. Not a lot of pressure on him. They had first place kind of locked up since August. So they hadn't played any meaningful football. And then all of a sudden, you know, your first drive, you throw a pick. Well, as a young quarterback, now you want to get it back and then you start forcing things and then things start getting really, really ugly when you go off script. I think Dinwiddie had him on a tight leash this year and just, you know, followed the game plan. We're going to win this game. But he started, uh, you know, going off on his own and, and, ma- and making throws he hadn't really made all year, and he learned a valuable lesson. And uh, I don't know if he's mature enough to, to uh, recover from it because I think he does have some growing up to do. And you have to give Montreal some credit because their their defense had to you know had, they had to catch the ball. I've seen a lot of CFL DBs 
Edward Scissorhands not catch the ball and definitely not run back, run it back for a touchdown. So, I mean, that, that, even Zach Clara said today on, on the news, he said that, you know, Montreal's D is flying around there and they're not to be taken lightly. So, I mean, you have to give Montreal some credit. And uh, it just goes to show, I really, I really, really believe going 17-1, and 16-2, and 15-3 and 3 is a curse in the CFL because you're not sharp. You're you're just I don't care what people say. You can say you can try all you want. When you play mean, meaningless games for three months or two months, you're just you're just not sharp, and there's nothing you can do. I don't even uh, the very good teams can overcome it, but a lot of teams just fall victim to it. And I mean, you can ask the Calgary Stampeders, you can ask the Bombers last year, tie cats in nineteen. So yeah, it's just. Uh, and, you know, the Owls have won seven games in a row. So I don't know. The Owls are, should get a little more respect. They've won seven games in a row in the second half of the CFL season when, when the games tighten up and, and everybody's playing, you know, a lot better. So uh got to give them some credit. So that's, that's my thoughts on that. Well, Darnell Sankey actually last year played, if you remember, in the XFL – won a championship in the XFL. Then he signed halfway through the season or whatever, a little bit more than halfway through the season with Montreal. When he signed with Montreal, he said, we're not losing another game. They yeah. have not lost since he said that. Yeah. So, so and, you're and right, seven in a row. Yeah. What's that going and people keep, Yeah, and people keep going on, oh, Winnipeg beat them in the first half of the season twice. Well, that's first half, and I, and I tell everybody I don't count the first half of the CFL season. I consider that an extended preseason, and second half, second half of the season tells me where teams are at. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the Owls, I, mean, I thought the Owls had a better second half than the Argos. The, uh, don't forget, the Owls had the Argos beat in the second half and before they went on the streak, but Fiardo threw a horrible interception. But they had, I think yeah. they had the game one. So, like, you know what? I mean, the only thing that's going to hold the Owls back in the Great Cup game is Fiardo. And who knows? Maybe he's due... Maybe he's due to have a good game. Maybe he finally, you know, has a Sean Salisbury great cup. Who knows? But uh, CFL, you can't. Yeah. And that's what I was going to say. That, they've, that, that defense is actually uh, looks outstanding, that Montreal defense. I mean, Everyone talks about the defense in Winnipeg, and they are great, but this defense in Montreal, they look like they have very little holes in it, too. They they really gave uh, Toronto fits in this game. Uh, and that's one of the things, and you said, uh, Rudy, uh, something that actually I think uh, makes a lot of sense, because when you, you how many times have we seen a team go 14-4, and 15-3, and 16-2, and, and not be able to seal the deal? No. Nope. The problem with that is when you're winning and you win that much in the regular season, you don't know how to lose. So when you and find yourself right. in a lot of adversity during the regular during the game, and you find yourself, you know, down two scores, you don't know how to come back with that because you've had no experience at it. Things have gone so well for you that entire season that when you get adversity, you have trouble reacting to it. And I think that's what happened to the Argos. They just kept uh, it kept spiraling, and you'll see quarterbacks. We saw it earlier in the year with um, uh, with um, 
Oh, uh, Vernon Adams in Toronto. When you start throwing interception after interception, it just seems to spiral. And that's what um, um, Chad Kelly reminded me about, reminded me of when he was playing there, because he kept throwing interceptions, and each one was worse than the last one. And then he also fumbled once behind. Not only that, twice in the first half, they got stopped. They were third and less than a yard, and they got stopped twice in that situation. So, so and, their and confidence to, just collapsed. But you have to give Montreal credit for those stops. Like, those are like when people no, are saying no, 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 not at all. Yeah. But what was, I was uh, just saying there is when you get all of these different turnovers, it just it messes with you. And uh, that's what happened. And it just kept falling further behind. And because the Argos hadn't really been in that situation all season, they didn't know how to deal with it. And that just, just collapsed from there. Uh, it was really one of those ones that uh, you just And you know that's you where it's it. And I, I'm sure Dinwiddie in hindsight probably should have had, who's their second stringer there? Because after that first half, I probably would have tossed in, even for a, even for a series or two, and calm Kelly down and throw yeah. your back on mm-hmm. him and just, and just try and figure something out because you could tell that game. I agree. Sideways. Yeah. Give him a break and then bring him back. But, I mean, just the way it happened, it was just yeah. – you just knew it almost seemed like every time they went out on the field, you knew you were wondering, well, how is this going to go badly for them? And it just kept going. Oh, yeah. And they just never got back into the game once they fell behind early. And, uh, yeah, I mean, no one was expecting that. I mean, maybe even people that maybe picked Montreal, and there weren't that many, but there were a few, they probably thought if Montreal was going to win, they'd win on like a last-second field goal or something like that. No one expected yeah. them to beat them by 21 points. Well, and, and here's the thing. I think the key, like we'll talk about it more, is kind of like, you know what, sometimes settle for a field goal. It's weather is cold. You know, Toronto kicks a few field goals there. Don't give up 21 points on turnovers. That game that game is still winnable late in the fourth quarter for Toronto. Right. Either tied or what. But you know what? Like, take what's there, and then, you know what I mean? It's just, yeah. mm-hmm. but if, if you keep, uh, you can't turn the ball over, especially nine times. Yikes. No, you can't. Yeah. So it'll be a high Yeah, so yeah, it was uh thirty eight seventeen, Montreal beating Toronto. So I don't have the um I know Will actually got the most points on this one because he was the only one to pick Montreal. Everybody else picked Toronto. So yeah. he got the I don't have the actual points in front of me right now because uh, C J had that and he had to go off and deal with some horses, so uh, but uh, 21, uh, or um, excuse me, 21 point wins, 38 to 17 for the Alouettes. Oh, and by the way, there's a lot of people out here. Bra- I just want to point something out here, bragging about oh, every Saskatchewan must be kicking themselves. They got rid of Cody Fajardo. Blah 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 blah. Cody Fajardo was not the reason they got they got that win. I hate to tell you this, but. Uh, he didn't have to do much because the defense did most of it. I mean, Toronto only got 17 points. The defense got 14 of them all along well, with the uh, you know on the transition. Like, he was steady. I mean, he he, you know he didn't have to do much because it, it, the defense yeah, did so much for them. It reminds me of when um, Peyton Manning won his last Super Bowl in uh, Denver. He couldn't throw the ball 20 yards, but it was his defense. Kind of like Ricky Ray in 2017 
when it was uh, when yeah. the Argos beat Calgary. It's like Calgary basically handed them, you know, collapsed in the fourth quarter with that fumble and and then you know that mm-hmm. pick late in the end zone. So I mean, he didn't have to do a lot; just manage the game and don't make don't turn the ball over. And let your defense mm-hmm. do the do the job, and you know I think that might yeah. be sort of the same game plan they're playing against Winnipeg is, you know what, mm-hmm. and then get it to a, get it to get it to the fourth quarter, and you know what, roll the dice there. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah. So. All right, so thirty-eight seventeen uh, for the Argos and the Alouettes. So then we go later in the the, the second half of the doubleheader, the Western Final, we at IGF Field, which was sold out again. Uh, despite what uh, one uh, Facebook guy who's going to remain nameless here just goes on and says a bunch of nonsense and crap just to get okay. attention or something. But sold out IGF Field, and it was the home team, uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, knocking off the Lions for the second straight year in a row in the Western Final, 24-13. to 13. This wasn't a terrible game. It wasn't a blowout. I mean, it was a five-point game in the fourth quarter. Uh, the Bombers got um, uh, a couple of points late to make it turn it into an 11-point game. The Bombers' defense was great in this game. Uh, they really shut down the high-powered BC offense. So you got to give them credit. I'll, I'll give Rudy the start on this one. I believe he was at the game in Winnipeg, and uh, he's a Bombers fan. So let's give uh, Rudy a chance to talk about his team's win in the Western Final. Yeah, you know, it was sort of similar to last year. And I don't know what it is with their freaking field goal kickers uh, in, in the playoff games, because honestly, like like last year, um, what's his name? Missed a bunch of field goals and converts. And Leggio. Missed, uh, yeah. And now Castillo missed two pretty, it, it was two field goals, wrong, but he missed two critical mm-hmm. field goals that p- puts the game away. And honestly, I went down to the bathroom and for a beer. I go, there's 10 seconds left. So I, I figured I, I'm safe to leave. I come back up and I'm looking at the board. I'm going, did they just give BC seven points? Because, like, I'm trying to figure what's going on. And then I had to ask what happened. And they got some fluky, some ridiculous uh, Hail Mary at the end of the half. So that was actually their only real, I mean, that was their only real offense. So Winnipeg, you know, Winnipeg. Was in control, I think. I mean, you never know what can happen late, but Winnipeg's uh, defensive line was uh, in the backfield all day long, and Vernon Adams didn't have really time to throw the ball. And, and uh, yeah, Winnipeg was playing well, but just uh, there some injuries in offense. Kind of, it's kind of hurting them a little bit, slowing them down a little bit. So, and uh, I think, and then the way they ran the ball, I mean, that one touchdown delivery. I mean, it was it was a ten, was it like eight straight running plays? That oh, God, in the dominant. first quarter there, just yeah. one after one and one and yeah. not getting stopped at all. Like, once I seen that, I, I never really was nervous after that. I'm like, okay, it's going to have to take some kind of ridiculous break to uh, – BC will need about three or four, you know, really, really big plays or, 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 or you know, a lucky break here and there or a penalty to, to, to win this game. But uh, – yeah, no, definitely glad it was played at IG Field because I think in the dome would be it'd be a, another close game, like like a field goal. But uh, no, it was uh, Winnipeg. Uh, Winnipeg came out ready to play. If they come out with that kind of fire next week, they shouldn't have a problem. But you never know. So uh, that's correct. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's all. It is. All right. Well, uh, what did you think of the Western Final? 
Well, like you said earlier, BC desperately needs a running game. Um, they also need a defensive line that can stop the running game. Because let's face it, the first what was it? The first ten plays was all was all Oliveira, and they just ran at BC and pushed them all over the freaking place. And when you do that, it's uh, pretty scary. When you can do that right from the get go, I thought I thought after the first quarter, this game was going to be quite the blowout, but it wasn't. And once again. I don't know how many carries uh, Winnipeg had for running wise, but once again, these 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 coaches for some reason they they think they should outsmart the other team. Okay, they couldn't stop us from running, but now I'm going to fool them, and I'm not going to run that much anymore. Like, what the hell is that all about? I don't mm-hmm. understand that. Anyways. Um, you know what? Winnipeg's the better team. We all knew they were the better team. I think the biggest thing is they have experience. And, I mean, even though they had a couple of injuries, I, I don't think Dembski was 100% because he wasn't the normal Dembski. Um, but they had enough to beat BC. Vernon Adams, in my mind, didn't look that great. But was that because he wasn't great or because Winnipeg is so much better? I don't know. But it doesn't really matter. End of the year, game's over. Winnipeg won. So mm-hmm. there you go. There you go. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Just uh, there was hope. I was hope there for the line. I mean, Winnipeg is the better team. You're right. Uh, they've got uh, you know all the experience. They have. They're a, a more complete team because, quite frankly, they've got a running game and. BC just doesn't, uh, and it was weird because in that first quarter there, you knew when everyone knew Winnipeg was going to run the ball. I mean, it wasn't a secret that what they were going to do. They knew it was coming. They still couldn't stop it, even though they knew it was coming. So he just ran right through them basically. Uh, eventually, they did slow the run down. Um, they, they, but they piled up a bunch of players in the box, basically just stack it up so he had no room. So that's when Zach Clara started throwing the ball and just uh, started using his receivers. Kenny Lawler had a couple of circus catches in this game. I remember one where I thought he had fall, he came down out of bounds and he's able to get his elbow down just in the nick of time uh, to make the catch. He was on something. And the BC offense just didn't get anything going. And it was actually, like Rui said, very similar to last year. Because if you remember last year's Western Final, the the Lions never really got the, they would get flashes here and there, but they never got into the rhythm that we saw so often uh, in this regular season. They just and I credit a whole lot of that to um, the uh, Winnipeg defense. A lot of times they were dropping nine guys into coverage. And we would see there be points where Vernon Adams would have the ball and he'd be standing there, and he'd have time, mainly because they weren't rushing a lot of players. And he'd have time because – but the problem is he couldn't find anybody because all of the receivers were covered because he had nine guys – they had nine guys back into coverage. And he'd be standing there looking for somebody to throw to, and nobody was there. And then it ended up – they'd end up getting a sack and stuff like that because he, he couldn't um, 
he couldn't find anybody. <laughs> they just covered him really well. And, uh, yeah, the BC offense never really got going. They lost a key piece early in the game when uh, Keon Hatcher went down, tore his Achilles. They lost a key piece on defense when T.J. Lee tore his Achilles. So it was just uh, – it was not going to be the Lions' day, and um, it just wasn't going to happen for them. Uh, they tried to – did their best. They kept it somewhat close, like I said, five-point game into the fourth quarter. But it just never seemed like they were going to be able to get over the top, and they didn't. So full marks to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, go off and uh, pull out the win there. you got to give them credit. Uh, they're back in the Grey Cup again, fourth consecutive season. Not fourth consecutive year. That's not correct. It's season, yes, but not year. Just correcting a couple of Bomber fans on social media that don't seem to know the difference. Uh, but it's the Bombers back in the Grey Cup again, and the Lions, well, back to the drawing board and see if they can get it up, get, uh, you know, ready to uh, try and do it again next year and get to the Grey Cup at home. But Speaking of Grey Cups, the Bombers are in the Grey Cup again. Sorry, I don't have the scores, the predictions here. Uh, CJ has those, and he's still off dealing with his horses. But I know I'm here. Uh, Rudy picked the Bombers. Oh, he's back. Rudy picked the Bombers, and I know Will picked the Bombers. So they would have gotten the, the lion's share of the points there. Well, you're here, then you can talk about this game, because you're the only one that hasn't yet. Oh, haven't I? Have you, did you guys do the Montreal-Toronto game? Yes, but you can give okay. your thoughts on that too if you want. Okay. Uh, yeah, it was it was an exciting game. I loved it. It was wonderful to watch. Um, okay, so BC Winnipeg. I was just sitting here listening to Charles. He's a hundred percent right. The only thing that I think that that Rick Campbell really dropped the ball on on this one is yes, Winnipeg dropped nine into coverage. They only rushed three. Why didn't Vernon Adams take off? Why did he sit there and try to find somebody downfield all the time? And, I mean, you know, that's exactly what happened Mommy. in uh, in 2013 with the, the Riders, right? BC had phenomenal coverage. They did everything. And then Darian Durant took off and, and with his legs. Took off with his legs. Why didn't Vernon Adams, who is a very mobile quarterback, I know he's had a problem with his knee and he was kind of limping a little bit during the game, but you know what? This game is not about 40 yards. It's about six. If you get six yards both towns, then you're, 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 you're flying, right? And all yeah. you have to do is go out and get half of 10, half of 10, half of 10, and you march down the field. And they didn't even do that. They were constantly trying to go for 20, 25-plus yards, and nobody was ever open. Yeah, great. Winnipeg was doing a great job covering. So then take the ball downfield a little bit at a time. BC didn't do that. They didn't game play this well. They didn't. They don't have a running game, so they don't run the ball. But you have, the quarterback has to run it because when you drop nine into coverage – why, why don't we have a running game when there's nobody there? Why don't we play the short game? Why aren't you doing the slants? Why aren't you doing the, the uh, I don't know. It, it, was, it was a frustrating game, although nothing happened in that game that I didn't expect. 
I expected the Bombers to win. I expected the Bombers to run the ball down our throat. I expected BC not to be able to run the ball. And I expected Winnipeg to do a good job covering the receivers. The, the entire game felt – it was nothing surprised me. It, it, you know, I, I, I'm impressed that BC kept it as close as they did within the score. But justifiably, did, did they? Should they? I don't know. It, it, it's, it's really not – it's one of those things. that it, it was a – you know, everybody says, oh, well, the BC Lion fans are all pissed off. They're angry that their team got bumped. Nobody's angry. We expected it. This wasn't a surprise. I'm not mad. I could care less. It's just a football game. You move on. I don't have the emotional attachment that so many people from the prairies do. It's ridiculous. And it, it, the funny thing is, the funniest thing out of all of this is, is how quiet those Toronto fans are all of a sudden, now that they were so noisy and yappy for the last two months, they've gone. I don't even see them anymore. They're, they're, they're just simply not there. What, what happened? Where'd they go? You know, can't, can't you just man up and say, okay, my team lost and, and, and continue on and, and, and let's talk football. But no, 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 they're gone. They're, they're, they jumped that bandwagon and they, they set it on fire. It's over. Okay. Anyhow, I got nothing to say about the Toronto Montreal game. I, it, that was Montreal's defense. That was Montreal's special teams. Their offense did shit. I mean, I don't know how you have nine turnovers and you get one touchdown, one interception, and 175 yards. They, I, I'm surprised they didn't release Cody Fajardo after that game, but I guess that's you I wonder can't really how, do that I wonder when how, you're in the I wonder, how was, uh, I wonder how much it was coaching, though, with uh, uh, Kevin Moss just telling uh, – Telling uh, or Jason Moss just telling Fiardo just to take the sacks, just fall down and we'll punch and we'll do it. Chad Kelly's imploding, just let them. No, he, there's, no, no there's not a hope <laughs> in hell that Jason Moss said that or did that. No, absolutely not. But it, it's just like totally like Cody Fajardo does two things extremely well throws interceptions and runs into sacks. And what did they sack him seven times? Why? How? You know, like, I, I don't get it. You know, that's, that is exactly what he does. He's done that for every year that he's been in the CFL. He throws interceptions and he runs into sacks. Well, he only threw one interception, and he, but he got sacked seven times. You can't do that and win football games, and he did, only because Toronto turned the ball over nine times. Right, so it's just one of those things. I don't know. I don't know. The games are over. Toronto is done. BC is done. I'm perfectly okay with this. We're going to have a Winnipeg Montreal Grey Cup. It's going to be in Hamilton, and it, it, it's almost like nobody's really got any skin in the game. Oh, okay, Rudy does because he's like a Winnipeg fan. But you know, it's just one of those things. Like, okay, it's it's indifferent. I'm indifferent to, as to this whole thing, and. Uh, and I have been through most of the playoffs, so we'll see what happens. I, I don't know. I think I've said that too many times. Uh, so what happened is uh, – where did it go? Where did it go? There it is. Okay, uh, where's the picks here? I know he did it for me somewhere. 
Winnipeg, Hamilton, Calgary. No, that's not it. That's September. I'm trying to find what Rudy, uh, what Sparky sent me. There, there it is. There it is. There. Nope, that's Calgary. Go to the next one. There it is. Okay, Winnipeg, uh, Montreal, Toronto. 17 was the final 55 point score. Uh, Charles, you took Toronto. You got 32 points. Montreal, Will took Montreal. Got 124. CJ went to Toronto. Got 28 points. Rudy went Toronto. Got 20. Uh, CJ, uh, the second game was BC Lions and Winnipeg. Winnipeg outscored the Lions 24-13 for 37 points. Charles, you took BC at 34 points. Will, you took Winnipeg at 100 points. You're way off on the score, but uh, you got 100 points. CJ got picked BC. He got 20 points, and Rudy picked Winnipeg, got 100 and I think 22. And that's how it is. So the standings currently are... Rudy's in the lead. He got uh, 142 points for this week. And uh, so a total of 376. Charles got 66 points for a, a 294 total. William, big man on campus for this week, was 224 points. So he's now got a total of 234 points because his semifinal was only 14 points. He really blew that one out. Otherwise, you'd be up in the lead because that was a great pick. CJ got 48 points. Very embarrassing pick. Both games wrong. Uh, 172 points. So Rudy is, is there at 376. The only way Charles can pick, can catch Rudy is if Charles picks Montreal and Montreal wins. And then he's probably going to beat Rudy because Rudy's going to pick the Bombers. We know that. He's a Bomber fan. So, uh, Charles, you just have to go off the board and pick Montreal and just hope for the best because nobody actually expects to catch Rudy. So, it, it, you know, if you pick Winnipeg, you're not going to catch him. You're going to pick Montreal, you're not going to catch him because Winnipeg's going to win. I don't know. Montreal, Winnipeg, in Hamilton. This is the Grey Cup for the 2023 season. Charles, how do you pick it? Hold it. Did I lose everybody? I'm here. I lost William. Charles, where are you? Sorry. Sorry, I was on mute. Yeah. Uh, We lost lost Willie. I'll have to call him back or something. But uh, this one, I really, uh, I'm sorry, I don't think lightning is going to strike twice. Uh, I don't see the bombers uh, imploding like the um, like the uh, Argos did. I just don't see it. Uh, and really, that's kind of what Montreal needs to win this game. They really need a, a collapse like we saw with Toronto because, quite frankly, the bombers are such a complete team, both on offense and defense. They got the running game. They got the passing game. And, I mean, you could have made the same argument for Toronto, but uh, I I just don't see the Bombers turning the ball over nine times like the Argos did. I just think that the Bombers are too good offensively. Um, Montreal needs to keep it low scoring to win. If they try and get into a shootout this game, they're dead. And even in a low scoring game, I just don't see them winning it. Uh, like I said, they need an implosion like we saw with the Argos. I can't see that happening. Winnipeg's got too much experience. Winnipeg is too good at it. I've got to pick the Bombers in this one. I can't pick Montreal. I'm sorry. I just don't think they're good enough. I'm still not a huge 
they got a great defense. They got a championship defense. But I just don't think they're going to be able to put up enough points to get by the Bombers because I don't – I still uh, do, am not a believer in their offense. I'm not a believer in uh, – I'm still not a believer in Cody Fajardo. Uh, they're kind of there in spite of him as far as I'm concerned. So this one, I have to pick the Bombers to win this. I just think they're the better team, and I think they're going to show it. So I'm picking uh, the Bombers to win this, and I'm going to go Winnipeg. Uh, what am I going to do here? Winnipeg, 46 points. No, okay. Winnipeg, 49 points. No, 49 points. Oh, jeez. You think it really matters? Sorry. Yes, uh, probably not. <laughs> yeah. William. Yes. Well, what do you Okay, so. Who's whispering? I got to. I... I got a feeling that that Winnipeg is not going to take Montreal lightly like some other team did last weekend. So the 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 surprise thing for Winnipeg isn't going to is for Montreal isn't going to work. Um, Winnipeg's offense, in my mind, they have way better receivers than Toronto did for sure. Um, so. That's not a plus for Montreal. Um, uh, Zach Kolaris is better than Chad Kelly. Well, for that matter, Cody Fajardo was better than Chad Kelly last week too. But um, Zach Kolaris is a good quarterback. And it's not 2001, and it's not in Montreal, so the Bombers aren't going to go out and get drunk. So, because who wants to go out in Hamilton? Come on. Anyways, um, Winnipeg should win this game hands down. It shouldn't even be close. And uh, I, I'd love to see uh, I'd love to see Sean Lemon win. I'd love to see Darnell Sankey win. But by all rights, they shouldn't. So, I'm gonna pick. Uh, Montreal, 28. 28 points? Yes, sir. That's pretty low scoring. Yes, it is. Okay. Even that low scoring BC game was was 34, 37. Yeah, I know. Okay. 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 Rudy. Well, I see this game going in one of two ways. Either and either way, either it's going to go to like the 2018 Great Cup game because Winnipeg is banged up and the Saps still were good enough to beat Ottawa and, and they just played smart football and they just let their talent win the game. Or you go 2017 where Calgary and Dave Dickinson gave the gave the game away, but we don't have Dickinson on the sidelines, so. I'm hoping that won't be the case. So I'm going to take the Bombers, 56. 29-27 is my official score for Winnipeg. Okay. Well, this is is an interesting matchup. And, you know, you go down the line and Zach Caleros is 400,000 times better than Cody Fajardo. Uh, Winnipeg has the second best receivers in the CFL. 
okay? The best receivers and the third best receivers aren't even playing. So it's not even an issue. Uh, there's nobody close to them on offense. Their offensive line is probably the best in the league. The defensive line is number one, number two in the league, somewhere in there. Montreal is good at on defense. They were amazing on defense last week. Their special teams was ex- exceptional. They're just not as good a team as the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. It's just a fact. I, you know, everybody says, well, okay, they weren't as good a team as Toronto. Well, Toronto hasn't been playing meaningful football for six weeks. Okay? That matters. That matters. Anybody who says it doesn't is an idiot. Okay? Montreal has been getting progressively better and better and better and better all season. Yes, Toronto beat them three times this year. But that doesn't matter. That was then. This was now. Okay? Montreal was an improving team. Toronto was stagnant at best. That's not going to happen in the Winnipeg-Montreal Grey Cup. Winnipeg has been played last week they played well enough to win although they didn't play exceptionally well they played better than Montreal they played better than Toronto and they played better than BC so I, I don't I don't see them taking a step back they this is a Winnipeg Greek Cup anybody who says anything different really is lost I mean they would have to lose this game for Montreal to win it's not a Montreal's not going to win this game Mont- Winnipeg has to lose it and that's why I'm picking 48 points for this score, and I'm going with Montreal. I'm going to tag along with my buddy, Will, and we'll see what happens. So uh, one of us is going to be really, really angry. No, whatever. Charles, I really think you should have taken Montreal just because that's the only hope that you got of catching get Rudy. But, you know, that's okay. Uh, I don't care what the score is going to be. I don't care what, who wins the game. I got no skin in this game. I'd like to see Montreal win. Uh, as Will said, it would be nice to Sean Lemon, uh, Darnell Sankey. Uh, I think there's some players on this team that have really done well. I think William Stanback would be deserves one. Cody Fajardo does not deserve the Grey Cup. And, it, oh, my God, I cannot believe the bullshit that's going to come out of his mouth. And, and you know, he just, he just wrote – there was just an article about it where he's trying to channel his inner Ricky Ray. And I, I just – like, I almost puked when I read this. I read the entire article, and it was like, this guy, he, he's off phoning quarterbacks, big-name quarterbacks. Uh, you know, well, obviously, Anthony Calvillo, Jason Moss, Ricky Ray, Travis Leeway. He's phoning all these quarterbacks and asking for their experience and what to do in the week coming up into the Grey Cup. And I'm going, Cody, it's not going to matter. You have to be a quarterback to be able to do this kind of stuff. Uh, he's not even in the class with any one of those guys. Well, maybe Jason Moss. No, Jason Moss was a better quarterback than that. Uh, so it, it's a sad game. It's, it's not going to be exciting, and uh, Montreal's going to get tuned. And if Montreal wins, it's going to be an exciting game. Uh, nobody just sticks. No, it's not going to happen. It's just not. Okay. All that uh, the punchers. They, they they have a great defense. Absolutely great defense. I still think Winnipeg's got a better defense. Okay. 
So, you know, if you're going to go side by side, who's going to score more points? Yeah, that's fair. You know, Zach, Zach Caleros throws more interceptions than anybody else in the league besides Vernon Adams. Obviously, this year they were like neck and neck right down to the very end. But it doesn't matter the, the, if you the, can't the capitalize reason, on them. No, no, the big reason – Montreal's defense looks so much better than Winnipeg's defense is because Montreal doesn't have an offense. Okay? You got to yeah. balance the two. And Winnipeg's offense is pretty good too. So, you know, it's a team sport. Okay? But, yeah, yeah they do have a puncher's chance, but that's about it. FYI, I'm, so. Winnipeg does have some injuries on the offense. There's some issues. I'm, yeah. They should be okay. So, Sean, um, Dembski's not 100%, but, I mean, they were able – they're deep enough to get by that, I think. Yeah, I think so, too. If Brady Oliveira can run the ball, it doesn't matter. If Montreal can stop the run, then it's, it's going to be a little bit more of a challenge. And you know what? If they do that, then put Johnny Augustine in the back, have two tailbacks in there, and they won't know which way to go. You know, it, you got a running game in November, and it's you're going to need it. And we're talking in Hamilton. What's the weather like? Anybody hear what the weather's going to be like? Uh, it's actually, I think, supposed to be pretty, like seven, eight degrees, which is nice. Okay. And the wind down by kickoff. It doesn't matter about the wind. A lot the better weather is... than two, a couple of years ago. Oh, the, the, I yeah. know. I was there. That was a joke. Hamilton can be nasty, nasty weather, okay? Nasty weather. Mm-hmm. Coming off the lake. It's, yeah, anyhow. Wow. Okay, so let's go. Where are we going to go now? Go up to find Charles's agenda. And the interesting thing here, uh, uh, before we leave that, uh, what's his name? Um from Montreal, Darnell Sankey could win his second football championship of the year if he yeah, wins that's this game cool. because he was he won the XFL he was on the uh, XFL champion so he could win uh, a second championship in one year. That's quite a nice year for one person, one player. Yeah, that, that that's a bonus. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's go over here to uh, Oliveira and Kelly. Headline the CFL Award nominees. So this is the predictions of what's going to happen here. This is a CFL.staff writer, CFL.ca staff writer. Uh, can't even tell us who it is. Winnipeg Blue Bombers runner uh, Brady Oliveira, Toronto quarterback Chad Kelly will go head to head for the most valuable, no, most outstanding player. Who do we think is going to win this one? Who's, who's your guesses? Should we should we take some polls on this? Maybe we should. Let's just flip this over. MOP. Charles, Will, Rudy, CJ. Okay. MOP, MODP. What's one of the other ones? Oh, MOC. Offensive lineman, which that's a bit of a joke in my opinion. Special teams. Rookie and coach. Okay, Charles, who's your MOP candidate? Who, who are you going to pick here, Brady Oliveira or Chad Kelly? 
Put on your mic. Did we lose Charles? No, I'm back. Sorry about that. I always put myself on mute, and then I forgot to put myself back on mute. Uh, well, that's kind of why I tell talk, you to do it. Of course, that makes sense. Uh, I'm not a huge Chad Kelly fan. I think they've overrated him, but honestly, I think, quite frankly, um, this is going to go to Chad Kelly. Um, Oliveira had a really nice year, but I don't think he had a good enough year to win the MOP as a running back, if that makes any sense to anybody. Uh, he's had a he's had a really good year, but he didn't have a spectacular year. And normally, if you're going to be a running back winning M- the MOP, you really got to have a spectacular year. You got to be up around 2,000 yards. Uh, there is a I'm sorry, I still think there is a bit of an Eastern bias here. And I just really think they want to push Chad Kelly uh, as, you know, a top-level guy. And uh, he did have a good year. He did have good numbers. I don't think his numbers are particularly spectacular either, to be perfectly honest. But if i got to go between the two, I think they're going to end up giving it to Chad Kelly. Okay. William. Yeah, too bad. Too bad they don't wait till the night before the Grey Cup to pick this. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, but that's always a problem. Um, I don't think running backs win it very often. They don't win it very often because they're running backs. So, I guess you got to go with Chad Kelly. Although I don't, I don't agree that much. But those are the two picks, so it's probably going to be Chad Kelly. Rudy. Is this going to be a homer oh, pick? Um, no, on the basis of the Eastern media, it's going to go to it's going to Chad Kelly. Um, I think. I mean, I think Zach Claris is probably your real MVP, but I think they wanted to give him a rest. <laughs> I think they wanted they wanted a different flavor. So, and I mean, and I also I, I also don't mind it if Chad Kelly gets it. Like the East needs all the publicity, all the everything they can get because. Uh, the Argos did a pretty shitty job of advertising their product last Saturday, so maybe this will help. But <laughs> so, like, so I, my pick is Chad Kelly. Okay, so <clears throat> Chad Kelly was the third best quarterback in the CFL. He is probably the MOP of the Eastern Division. I, I can't argue with that, bar none. Okay. But he wasn't the best quarterback in the CFL. We could argue, go back and forth, whether it was Vernon Adams or Zach Caleros. They, they both had good seasons. They didn't have amazing seasons. They both had good seasons. Uh, they both had hiccups at times. Some of them better, bad, good, whatever. But they were still better quarterbacks. They both put up better numbers than Chad Kelly did. Chad Kelly really wasn't that Outstanding. Toronto's defense kept them in more games than their offense did. So Brady Oliveira I was di- the Western nominee. What's that, William? I disagree. I think uh, Jake Mayer was robbed. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> well, he did have good numbers. Okay. He did did have very good numbers. He was more than Chad Kelly. 
Who cares? Who cares about winning games if you have numbers? Okay, come on. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But then you know, I guess the league has seen that the the problem with the schedule because they've gone and changed it. And I will talk about. Excuse me. We'll talk about that in a bit. Um, I have no doubt in my mind this award is going to Chad Kelly. The voting was done prior to the fact that he fell on his face and then refused to shake hands after the game and went off to the dressing room crying. Is, and you is, know what? Is he going to show up for the award ceremony or not? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. So, like last year, everybody was was just jamming on um, Nathan Rourke because after the game, he he kind of like was crying on somebody's shoulder. Okay, he was showing his emotions, his disappointment, whatever. Okay, and mostly Bomber fans really came down hard on him okay at least he was man enough to stick around after his loss congratulate the other team talk to the media and carry on okay chad kelly ran away like a little girl so and i probably shouldn't use that comparison because it's probably some woke idiot out there is going to get mad at me um but, yeah, this award's going to Chad Kelly. It shouldn't. He's not the MOP of this this league, not this year. But I think this was decided before the season even personally. I mean, the, the, the TSN, the media has been touting how awesome and wonderful he is all season long. And we've been sitting there on this podcast going, what the fuck are they talking about? Seriously? Yeah. They won some games, but that football's a team sport. It's not an individual sport. And that's the argument that I had a long time ago with everybody about Bo Levi Mitchell, right? It's a team sport. Calgary was winning football games. Toronto was winning football games. That doesn't make the quarterback amazing. Personal opinion. Okay, let's step this yeah, one up. Yeah, but did you see him on the T- did you see him on the TSM panel this weekend? He was amazing. Who? Bo Levi? I didn't see him. I'm sorry. Yes, I didn't, sir. didn't see him. But we said that before. Is he was good in the Grey Cup game last year. Right? I mean, he's, he's just I natural. I like him on this. TV. He's natural at it, right? He, he should be doing a broadcast. He shouldn't go looking for a coaching job. Stick with TSN. They'll, they'll, they'll hire him right away. Yeah, but my he question was, is, my question is, is he as good as Jim Barker? Oh, fuck. <laughs> no joke a, a cocker spaniel would be as good as Jim Barker but who's got better hair Jim Barker or a cocker spaniel that's a very pot. debatable okay 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 uh, most outstanding defensive player and the nominees are NBC Matthew Betts. In Toronto, Adarius Pickett. Charles. Got he's on mute again. Sorry. Take your thing off mute. Let's play football. What it's 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 not uh just a homer pick, but I think Matthew Betts was just had a phenomenal year. 
set a record in sacks for Canadian. Uh, the guy was all over uh, teams' backfields all season. Um, I'm gonna. It might sound like a Paul Homer pick, but I honestly think he was the best defensive player in the uh, CFL. So I'm going with. Uh, I'm going to go with my uh, my uh, hometown guy. I'm going with Matthew Betts. Okay. William, Adarius Pickett, Matthew Betts. Adarius who? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Adarius okay. Pickett. Okay. Was, is he a D-back or what is he? He No, I don't think he is. I think he's a line, linebacker, isn't he? I don't know. He led the league in tackles. Oh, did he? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um um, I don't know if that's a good thing to lead the league in tackles. Anyways, um, I think you have to give it. But to, sorry, uh, Micka all led the led the team in tackles, the league. Adarius Pickett was number three. Okay, I, I think I think you have to give it to Matthew Betts, but I kind of have a feeling. It might not happen. It should happen, but they're gonna they're gonna give him the the door prize, which is top Canadian. That's what they're gonna give him. I don't know no, if they're he'll win the best defensive player. Matthew didn't he get nominated? He got beat out by Brady Oliveira. Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, then in that case, I'm going to say Matthew Betts. I hope he gets it. Yeah. Okay. Rudy. I'll go with Matthew Betts. I think he's been. I think he wins this easy. I I don't know if it's easy, but I I, I do believe that he's going to win it. Uh, I I. There's got to be some. Just. Toronto bias is just it, it's bothering me, and it's just going to come up and and, and go that way. Um, yeah, but I, it, Matthew Betts had an amazing season: eighteen sacks, eighteen games. How, it doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, it wasn't twenty six point five for uh, uh, James Quick Parker, but you know, hey, so what? We'll see what happens um, for a top Canadian and and. We keep saying, you know, all of us on this panel agree that the ratio shouldn't exist, so then we shouldn't be talking about Canadians. It really is irrelevant. Uh, he's a football player. He's a defensive football player for the BC Lions, and I think Matthew Betts had the best season out there. He was, he was just amazing. Uh, so I'm, I'm picking Betts without question. So most outstanding Canadian. Everything I just said just happens. This, this award should go away. Uh, but that being said, we have Brady Oliveira from Winnipeg against Marc Antoine Dupois. Dupois? Dupois. I'm sticking with that. Um, I think Brady Oliveira gets this. This is his consolation prize for missing out on the MOP. That's kind of my, my opinion on this. They're going to give this to Brady Oliveira. I mean, the guy was lightning. He did 2,000 yards from, from scrimmage, 1,500 yards rushing, 100 or 500 from receiving. It's, this has got to be going to Brady Oliveira. Um, so that that's what I'm picking. Uh, we're going backwards here, Rudy. You take yeah, Brady. This is this is a slam dunk. Yeah, oh, I see. I don't see him losing that. We there is nothing here that's a slam dunk. Okay, 
there, based there on the Eastern n- media. There's yeah. nothing that's a slam dunk. Yeah. Okay. Um, William. Yeah, without saying much, Brady Oliveira. Okay. I mean, he deserves it. He deserves, I think he deserves MOP, but he's not going to get it. So, top Canadian, I guess, is okay. A consolation prize. That he, should, means, he needs, that he needs to bring home hardware. Best, that means you're the best Canadian in Canada. All right. Kind of like Pierre Jr. No. No, nothing like that. Actually, I saw saw something today which was, uh, have you ever really tried to figure out what the Beatles were talking about when they sang Nowhere Man? So, go look at the lyrics to Beatles' song, Nowhere Man, and it fits Justin just perfectly. Uh, okay, uh, Charles, Brady Oliveira, yeah. Mark Antoine Dupont. Yeah, you said there's no such thing as a slam dunk, and I think this is probably as close to a slam dunk as you're going to get. Just like we said, this is the consolation prize for him not winning MOP. Uh, this is Brady Oliveira, 100%. Okay, this is the only – Mark Antoine is the only Montreal Alouette that's nominated here. They made it to the Grey Cup. They're not going to get the Grey Cup. So this is, would be the only award that that team gets for making it this far is to give him that. That's why I'm yeah, saying this the is not voting, a slam dunk. This well, is not the thing a is, the voting dunk. for this, the voting for this is done before these, these games even I, happen. They happen in this. The voting's at the end of the season, so I don't think it makes a difference. I, I, un- to be I understand, but it is the only award that was nominated for a Montreal. Okay, so true. Is, Fair is, enough. Okay, e- even two weeks ago, Montreal was getting there. They got there. Okay, so mm-hmm. did this happen? Did they take sympathy on this? Did, did you know? I don't know. I, I I don't believe you can. Brady Oliveira was the man. No question. Mm-hmm. But that's not how this. That whenever you have some somebody's opinion, whenever it's being voted on by somebody, anything can happen. True. Anything Fair enough. Happen. Okay. So now we're going to go to the uh, outstanding lineman award, offensive lineman. We got Jamarcus Hardrick, Yoshi. Against Dijon, Dijon Allen from Toronto. I, I have no idea how you can judge a lineman. I, I, I don't. That, the lineman is only as good as the guy beside him or on both sides of him. And that means that we're, we should be not voting for a particular lineman, but we should be voting for a Winnipeg O-line, and they all get an award, or Toronto O-line, and they all get an award. I would understand that. Least amount of sacks, most rushing yards, whatever. Offensive lineman, I mean, you got Brady Oliveira going up the middle. Jamarcus Hardrick had to have been doing something right. <laughs> yeah, that's the only thing I can think of. 
How can uh, you do I, it, I, right? I, I, I echo you 100% there. I don't think that's the only the way. That's the way I'm going with this. I don't know how you judge it. I think that's fair. Like I, I'm, I'm going with Yoshi. And I, I, I know Rudy is too. William, what are you? Who are you going to pick for an O lineman? Um, Stanley Bryant. He, 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 Yoshi beat him out. <laughs> I know that. Is Only this because... going to be Stanley Bryant's last year? Is this going to be Hardrick's last year? Is there a lot of turnover that's going to happen in Winnipeg? I think Stanley so. might be. Maybe Stanley's last year. But you never know. I mean, and I still, he is, I still have no he is problem. Forty, with isn't he? I have no problem with them picking a top lineman because, let's face it, the guys, the offensive tackles are out there on an island, and it's important for them to be good. Just look at Calgary; they didn't have any this year. So, um, yeah. So, and Hardwick, Hardwick did play well this year. So. I'll go with Hardrick. Okay. Um, yeah, Hardrick's only 33 years old, mm-hmm. where Stanley Bryant's 38. Okay, Charles, who are you going to pick there on the O-line? All right, well, I know who Hardrick is, so I'm going to pick him. Uh, also, I mean, you got to look at his uh, that offensive line that – with the rushing yardage for Brady Oliveira, the offensive line is a big part of that. Uh, I, I'm going to go with Hardrick. I, I, he would be my pick. Yeah. I mean, the Toronto Argonauts did have the low, season lowest uh, in sacks, right? So that's, that, that is one thing. Okay, special teams player. In BC, we have Sean White, who was nothing short of amazing – kicking field goals this year. I think it was 94.5 on, on the season. Yeah, he missed one in the Calgary game, but so what? Against uh, Javon Leak in Toronto, who, if I remember correctly, he had the amazing amount of uh, return yardage. Yeah, he had uh, 1,216 yards return, punt, punt yards return. And another 793 on kickoffs. So that's pretty pretty amazing. His average was 15, which is not bad. I mean, Terry Williams was averaging 12. Tommy Lee Lewis averaged 13. So, okay. Those are our two candidates here. Sean White, Javon Leak of Toronto. Charles. Um, this one's a tough one for me because I think that, um, they really, they like the, the return yardage guys when the guys have the big return yardage. I'm personally going to go with Sean White because I thought his numbers were impressive and the guy almost never misses. So I like Sean White in this one. Uh, this one I think could go either way, but I'm going to pick Sean White. Okay. William. You're going to take the kicker? Do you have, do you have to you, ask? No, he's not going to take pick, the kicker. You think I'm going to pick a fucking kicker? Are you, you kidding gonna kick, me? Take the, 
kick return. And, 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 and you know what sold it? You know what sold it for me? What Charles just said. <laughs> he almost never misses. <laughs> okay? Like, what? like, come on. He okay. almost what, what? never misses. Yeah. I, 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 he, sh- he should never miss. Okay? Period. Anyways, I'm picking Leak. And Leak was pretty impressive this year. He was. He was without question. So, so and he's uh, definitely he's definitely more exciting than a field goal kicker. Okay. So the field goal kicker this year, uh, Sean White, who kicked more yes. field goal. Yes. Okay, he attempted forty five. He made forty four. He yes. missed one. Yeah. Okay. Renee Paradise yes. missed one but only kicked 30 yeah. times. Uh, yeah. Sergio Castillo, this, this awesome guy that they took into Winnipeg, he missed five times this year. Uh-huh. Okay. Mark, Mark Leggio in Hamilton missed five times this year. David Cote in Montreal missed once. Boris Beattie missed four. Brett Lawther in Saskatchewan missed two. Lewis Ward, he made everything. He made everything. Oh, sorry, these so are conversions. These are conversions. <laughs> these are not attempts. Sorry, sorry, my bad. What do you, what do you mean? These are converts. Oh. I'm reading the wrong column. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back and do this again. Renee Paradise. <laughs> Renee Paradise missed eight. Sean White missed three. Yes, uh, Castillo missed five. Legio missed six. Uh, Cote missed thirteen. Uh, Boris Beatty missed a couple. Brett Lawther, he missed eight. Lewis Ward six. Uh, Dean Faithful in Edmonton, six. Domagala, he missed one, but he he didn't try very many. So that's that that that's that's the list. Okay. Anyhow, yeah. Sean White had the highest percentage at ninety four point three. So who are you taking, Rudy? I'm taking White. I like field goal kickers, and I and I like to hate them too. And Castillo better get his shit together next week. I am, uh, yeah. He, he's not impressing anybody right now. Well, um, fuck, he was. <laughs> back, I think Legio was better. Um, yeah, I don't CJ's, know. I'm not happy about this right now. <laughs> CJ's taking Sean White. I'm doing the homer pick, even though whether or not that's real. Uh, rookie of the year. I, I don't know who either of these guys are. And uh, uh, Kai Gray from Edmonton. And what is this guy, Quantez Diggers? Is that guy like the, like the tiger that jumps up and down on his tail from winning the poo? Uh so this is the rookie from Toronto. Uh, I, 
I'm sorry. I I don't know how Kai Gray in Edmonton is going to get any votes. Just because of what his team did. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm impressed that he got this far. I don't think he's going to get any further. I think Toronto is going to get a couple awards here, and it has to be this would make it two because otherwise they've been shut out of everything else in in our picks here. So rookie of the year, uh, I'm going to go with Stiggers. It's kind of a cool name, actually. I'm kind of liking it. Uh, William, what do you want? Kai Gray in Edmonton or Stiggers in Toronto? And what's this for? Rookie, Rookie of, the of the year. Somebody who's not going to be on the team next year. I agree, or Stiggers. I don't recognize either one of them, so... Flip a coin. Meeny, meeny, miny, mo. Catch uh, Christopher by no, the no, 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 no. This is a bad song. Don't do this. Meeny, meeny, miny, mo. I'm going to pick... Uh, Wigger or whatever the heck his name is. You're taking Stiggers? Yeah, there you go. I don't even know who it is, but sure. Quantez Sticker. I don't even know what position he plays. He doesn't have a link on his name because he's so unimportant. Okay. (laughs) Um, Rudy, who are you picking? Yeah, I'm going with that last name, Quantez. Stiggers? Okay. Charles, Charles, what are you going to do here? You're going off the board and taking this Kai Gray in Edmonton? Yeah, I am. I feel bad because anyone else is picking the other guy. So I'm going to go with Kai Gray. Okay. You're going to get points for this, I'm sure. I don't know. Are we taking points on this thing? Is this this a – is uh, Sparky going to point this one out for us? I don't know. Okay. No. No. Okay. Coach of the year. This is the last one, Coach of the Year. Now, I always believe that a Coach of the Year should be somebody who has actually done something. Somebody who has actually improved their team. Okay? Now, the candidates are Mike O'Shea and Ryan Dinwiddie. Now, Mike O'Shea has, so what's his accomplishment? Well, four straight Grey Cup appearances. That's kind of important. Uh, regular season, he was 15 and three, and now he's 14 and four. So he's actually taken a step back, or his team did. I don't think his team was very dominant this year in the regular season compared to what they've been in the past. Uh, Ryan Dinwiddie setting a record of 16 and two. That's all over the news. That's that's huge. Uh, back-to-back Grey Cup appearances. Uh, winning the Grey Cup last year, so he's defending it this year. That shouldn't matter in the Coach of the Year this year. Uh, but it didn't matter last year because the award was picked before the playoffs. So then it, his playoffs kind of take over into this year. So that might have some bearing on it. He is from the Toronto media. Uh, he did set a league record, and it, although the, the media is not – taking into consideration the uh, heavy uh, weak 
leaning schedule that the Toronto Argonauts got this year that they probably would have only got about 11 wins if it was a normal schedule. But anyhow, that's beside the point. I know Toronto fans are going to shit their... Anyhow, so coach of the year. Uh, we start off with Rudy. He's going to take Mike O'Shea. So we'll do that, and you can you can just say it. Um, you know what? No, I I actually gave it to Dinwiddie this year because I said, said you know what, sixteen and two is sixteen and two. If it's based on playoffs, if you included playoffs, I would absolutely throw O'Shea in there. So that's why I take these awards with a grain of salt because the CFL regular season is basically eight games after September. Um, so you know what? I'll give it to Dinwiddie. He's sixteen and two. That's a good record. Yeah, it's a bit skewed because of the record of the the schedule, but you can only beat what's in front of you. So I'll I'll give I'll give it to Dinwiddie. I'll let O'Shea maybe put the great up this year. Then I'll make that trade. Does he lose any points for being afraid of Winnipeg? <laughs> no, I don't know. I think he was a no-win situation. Maybe he should have played Chad Kelly in that game in hindsight. But you can't fake you can't fake intensity. Toronto had nothing to play for, so I don't know. But maybe he okay. should have played that game in hindsight. Now thinking take, back might have helped them. Charles, take your your mic off mute and go ahead. Yeah, I think this is going to Dinwiddie as well. Uh, just a sixteen and two, no matter how you slice it, that's a good record. Uh, I mean, I think uh, O'Shea should get points playing in a tougher division, but when you get right down to it, when you have a coach that's gone 16-2, and two, I just think that, that's going to go to him pretty much any time. It's, it's a product of the record, so I'm going with Ryan Dinwiddie. So four straight Grey Cup appearances doesn't get any points for you. <laughs> I, I, I don't think they take previous year. I mean, it's good. It's accomplishment, but I really don't think they take previous years into account. I think they really only limit it to one, to this existing current season. So I think that's why it goes to Dinwiddie. Okay. William. You know, I, I think they should give it to Dinwiddie just because, just because he was robbed of the MVP in the 2007 Grey Cup when he was the quarterback. Okay. Like, because that was the greatest <laughs> performance of all time in a great cup, okay? You know, losing effort. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, picking, Marcus Crandall should have got it. I'm not picking Ryan Dinwiddie for fuck all. I don't like Ryan Dinwiddie. I think he's an asshole. Um, and Mike O'Shea has gone to the great cup four seasons in a row. Or, sorry, four. You, you know what I'm talking about. And yeah, four seasons in a row. That's pretty consistent, and he's created a culture in Winnipeg. And he's has he ever been nominated for this, Rudy, or not? No, well, he's won it twice. Oh, has he won it? Yeah, 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 yeah. What year? What year, Rudy? Uh, you know? Rudy's not answering you. I know. Um, 2021, isn't it? Was it 21? No, oh, it had been okay. last year. He was 15 and three was it last year. They had to give it to him. Huh. 15 and three. Huh. We can't talk. We, you can't mention playoffs with this award. It's strictly regular season and and the year. I up. know, but 
But you know what? I'm not going to pick Ryan Didwitty, so I'm going to pick Michael Shea. So, yeah, Michael Shea is going to win. I like, I like grudges, so that's good, too. Uh, it was Orlando Steinauer in 2019. It was Michael Shea in 21. It was Michael Shea in 22. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, so he'd win it three years in a row. Wow. Yeah, okay, I'm still going to pick Michael Shea. Okay, and CJ is going with Michael Shea as well. I think he's the better coach. Doesn't mean he's going to get the award, but he should. And CJ, he's also one of those coaches you like that delegates things, you know what I mean? I don't I don't diso- I don't disagree with his coaching style. I kind of like the guy. Uh, yeah. I, I honestly don't think he should have got the job in the first place, but that's not the point. He's kind of proved over the years. It, it, it's one of those things, if you stick with a guy long enough, he's going to get better. Because honestly, in 2019, Winnipeg Blue Bomber fans were trying to get him fired. And... Uh, and then he yep. goes off and wins a Grey Cup. So, then it's hard to fire him. I mean, it's like Dinwiddie yeah, he should, should have got fired at the beginning of, of, of last year. I mean, Toronto came out of the gate, like, fell on their face. And there's no way in hell that they, they – they, nobody would have picked Toronto to get to the Grey Cup, never mind win it. And uh, Dinwiddie should have got fired at the beginning of last season. And they didn't because – yeah. Pinball Clements is a is a pussy when it comes to things like that. So they stuck him out, and uh, they ended up winning. Your, and then they started winning, and there's no way you can fire somebody once they start winning. It's kind of funny. So, yeah. The Anastukas Trophy Award will go to Michael Shea for the third year in a row. Wouldn't that be interesting? I don't think anybody's ever won it three years in a row. In fact, I'm looking back, and uh, I don't see anybody winning it two years in a row. Charlie Taff in Montreal, 2019-2020. Don Matthews in 94-95. Wally Buono in 92-93. Cal Murphy, 83-84. Jack Gauda, 72-73. And that's it. Nobody's ever won it three years in a row. I think the person who's won it the most would be Wally Buono. John Matthews has got three. Wally Buono's won it four times. Yeah, Wally's got it four times. Oh, Don Matthews won it four times. Five times. Don Matthew won it five times. Yeah, I think Don Matthews may be the one that won the most. Yeah, Don Matthews won it in 85 with BC. He won it in 94 with Baltimore. He won it in 95 with Baltimore. He won it in 97 with the Argos. And he won it in 02 with the Alouettes. And you know what? Don Matthews, I really got to give the guy credit. He just won football games, but he did it in every city he ever was at, right? 
I mean, it's not like he just stuck at one, like John Hoffnagel stayed with Calgary the entire coaching career. Matthews was all over the place, and he was winning. You got to give him some credit for that one. I do, anyhow. Oh, okay. Let's jump over there. We're finished that. Uh, there's nothing else we can do that. That's the CFL award predictions. Uh, Kyle Walters wants to be back as GM of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Expect clarity very quickly. Will he return Bombers? Now, I, I believe I saw something where Mike O'Shea says he fully expects Kyle Walters to be back with the Bombers next season. And then who is this Brad somebody out there saying that Kyle Walters is a drug addict and a drunk okay, and that he – can, can, can I just clear this up? This sure, guy's a, a complete – he's a complete psychopath. And I'm not sure why he's still – I don't even know why he's still on that I don't site. think he's a psychopath. Or it's, I don't or think it's he a great is. troll job. Or it's a great troll job. So it's he's a weirdo. If you look I don't think he's Facebook a psychopath. Profile, he might be schizophrenic. If you look at his Facebook profile, he's been at the Navy Academy. He's been uh, Harvard Law. He, uh, and then also he worked at Dairy Queen. So if you look at what his jobs are, on his, it's, it's impressive stuff. Um, he said he went to the Super Bowl last year and he live streamed from the Super Bowl, but he just copied and pasted somebody's Twitter feed. And it was never a face. Uh, we've invited him to multiple tailgates, and he's never made one. I guess he wasn't allowed out of his parents' basement. That's my best guess. But yeah, this guy. Uh, if you, if anybody believes one thing this guy says, go see your doctor immediately and get put on the strongest meds that he has in the office. That's all I have to well, say. I, about well, this. I, it was, I was, it was worse about- than that. I was thinking about sending but, him an invite that? to the podcast. Wouldn't you guys like him on oh, the panel? He'll, he'll oh. never show up. And it's Who worse than that, though, up. because this week he was saying that he was giving away Grey Cup tickets. Then he yeah. was, like, asking people for per, for personal information and stuff like that. I'm like, and I'm trying to warn people. I'm like, don't give this guy any information. <laughs> he is not trustworthy in the least. No. God, no. Oh, no, he's crazy. I think he's finally, I think he's banned from most of the, well, I think he's banned be. from that. Too now, he's yeah. nuts. Oh, yeah. Okay. Certified. Okay. So sure. let, let's not talk about Brad anymore. I, I don't even yeah. remember his last name, and I could care less. Um, but uh, Kyle Walters, there is a difficult situation. There's got to be some type of, of a distraction, shall we say here, because last year, Mike O'Shea was given a contract extension. Kyle Walters was not. That, like, set off alarm bells with everybody. And yet, mm-hmm. I mean, how can you – I mean, Winnipeg went to three straight Grey Cups under Kyle Walters. How do you – there has to be a serious problem, personal issue, personal problem to get rid of this guy because all Winnipeg has done I, under his I, leadership is win. I'm just, I, I just think he might want to just do – I think he just wants one-year contracts. I think he might be comfortable with that. I think there's no – I think there's no pressure. I don't think – I think they just go into Wade's office at the end of the year 
and redo another year. I don't think there's anything more to it. I, he's also a guy from the East. I think eventually he does want to go back East, right? All his, all his, his roots are East football, like back in the day was in the East. So I could see him eventually going back to a, an Eastern club, but um, I just don't, I just think there's, it's a pretty good work environment in Winnipeg. So I, I don't think there's a need to, uh, to sign a long contract or he might not want that. Well, well I mean, here, here, here it is. Okay, in 2022, Michael Shea was inked uh, uh, a three-year deal to remain in Winnipeg through 2025, where Walters wasn't offered a deal. At the time, team president and CEO Wade Miller was noncommittal regarding Walters' future, saying that the team would be looking at everything and keep moving forward. That That doesn't... Back up anything. That's not exactly. That's not exactly a vote of confidence. No, absolutely not. That doesn't say, oh yeah, yeah, no, no, we're we're bringing them back for the 2023 season, and we're going to talk about the 2024. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say anything about that. It just says he's non-committal, saying that we're looking at everything and keep moving forward. They've already got O'Shea for three years. That that. Mike Gaucher is not looking for the manager's job. Um, and he's here for t- till 2025. <sighs> I don't yeah, know. I, I don't, there there has to be some to... personal, something happened there. Something had to happen there. Is Brad right? No. <laughs> he may be right, but not, not, uh, <laughs> Out of pure luck, if anything else. With no info, it's hard to even speculate. We don't even, like, we're throwing darts right now. Like, what do we know? Of course we are. We know nothing about it. That's the the, the fun and intrigue about it. William! William, you're in the corner being quiet again. the The only thing, the only thing I know for a fact is Wade Miller's addicted to food. Okay, we can all see that. And you don't have there's nothing. I'm not lying, okay? He looks like he eats small children. I stood next to him at the 2019 Grey Cup. And, man, my mama used to tell me, Will, you want to look skinny? Hang out with the fat guy, okay? So, anyway. Um... Kyle Walters, I, I think Kyle Walters, I mean, they're not, I don't think they're going to ruin that winning combination. And obviously it is a winning combination. And if he wants to stay, I'm pretty sure he'll get to stay. And whether he has a drinking problem or not is immaterial. And I don't even know who you guys are talking about because I didn't read anything like that. So, um I, I think know, the guy's only I mean, on, on chatter, isn't he? He's been kicked out of everything else. Oh, has he? Okay. Okay. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, sure. Kyle Walters, absolutely. He's done a good job. Wade Miller, you just got to pay him in food and he'll stick around forever. <laughs> just my opinion. <sighs> I don't know. There was some talk about Wade Miller taking over the uh, commissioner's position for the CFL, but then... Randy Ambrosi says that he, he's sticking around for a long time because he's being very successful at what he's doing. 
I'm not sure what he's doing, but he's successful at it. Sure not the CFL stat page, that's for sure. Sure not a team in the Maritimes, that's for sure. It's not really I, it's, CFL it's 2.0, because that's not very good either. It's, it's quite funny. I, I uh, happened to run into a old football friend of mine that I played football with in high school. And uh, I, I friended him on Facebook, and I go on his Facebook page, and he played uh, he played football for the for the Manitoba Bisons, and uh, <laughs> the picture that is on his Facebook page is Randy Ambrosi was part of his uh, offensive line, and so I sent him a message and I said, "Hey, <laughs> what do you know about Randy Ambrosi?" And he said, "He's the commissioner of the CFL." And I said, "Yes, he is." And should he be? And all he said was, "Will he was a teammate?" That's all I'm ever going to say. So you don't diss your teammates ever. So anyway, yeah, no, that's a that's a true statement. You don't diss your teammates. Uh, yeah, Wade Miller is a big son of a bitch, eh? <laughs> Let's face it, he was big when he played football, okay? He was pretty stocky, but now yeah, but he's taking it to a whole different level. Most O-linemen get smaller when they retire. Yeah, but he wasn't an O-lineman. To... He, was he was a fullback, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Yes. Oh, okay. He was a fullback. He, he just got big. Wow. Okay. Okay. Apparently never been keep... full. Um, no, he's never been full. But anyways. Oh, God. Help me, please. Uh, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with Cal Walters. We'll see after the season. There's going to be some... I don't think there's this season is this season's going to end. I don't think there's going to be a lot of turnover in management. We already saw the turnover in Saskatchewan because that had to happen. But if Calgary was going to ditch Dave Dickinson, they would have done it. Ottawa's already said they're keeping Bob Dice. Hamilton, I'm really expecting something to happen in Hamilton, but because it hasn't, I, I don't think it is. I think they're going to stand pat. Edmonton's going to stand pat. BC's not changing. So, you know what? Winnipeg and, and, and Montreal aren't going to make any big changes unless Cal Walters leaves. But, so, yeah, I don't see any movement. There's not going to be some big headlines happening after this season. The axe is not going to fall. Unless he just Here. decides not to resign. Yeah, well, I don't think they're going to fire him. Hundred percent, hundred percent. He he's probably the only person out of everybody that's that it may happen. Something may happen in the off season with Kyle Walters, may or may not. It, something's going to happen. He's either going to leave or he's going to resign because he's out of contract. But the you know I just don't see it happening anywhere else. No other CFL city is going to have any type of turnover. Okay. Now, there's a new uh, there's an article here 
that you put in there, which was the CFL won't speculate on possible privatization of the Edmonton Elks. Will will we see private ownership in Edmonton? Now, I don't think that that is personally. I think this is an off-season topic. This isn't something that we need to be discussing a week before breakup. Probably, although it, it, just, it, it, it I saw the article. We're gonna have, so. We're going to have a lot of time to discuss this in the off season, and uh, it, it, it would be good. But because it's hit the media this week, we should talk about it. Now, my question is to you guys, that's not what the article said. Okay? What the article said was that Rick Larishel – I think that's his, how you pronounce his name. I'm, I'm not sure, but I think it was Larishel, um, who was the Edmonton president. Then he was the BC Lions president. Now he's gone back to – retired, went to BC, uh, retired. Now he's going back to Edmonton, and he's going to take over, and he's going to look at the ownership of the Edmonton Elks. That doesn't mean that it's going to be – the options are not community-owned or privatized. Those aren't the only two options. In fact, there's multiple options in the community-owned teams. And I've always wanted to have that discussion with somebody who actually knows and understands because we have three community-owned teams in the CFL, and not one of them has the same corporate structure. Now, I can be completely off base on this and not know what the fuck I'm talking about because we really don't know how this works. But Edmonton, in my belief, is not community-owned. It's owned by a co-op of business interests in the city of Edmonton. Okay, It's not one particular thing leading it. It is a, an, an accumulation of... 20 or so corporations that basically run this team. Uh, it, it would be kind of like in BC is if the water boys took over. Okay. These are just presidential uh, CEOs of, of big corporations and they kind of run the, the board of directors for Edmonton. Nobody really owns it. It's kind of a co-op. Uh, Saskatchewan has shares that they've sold to the, fans and they theoretically are the owners of the team and they actually vote on their their board of directors uh i don't know how much power there is in that i don't know where else there is and i have no idea what the structure in winnipeg is it almost looks like the provincial government owns them because they're i mean the the provincial government's constantly throwing money at them so I don't know what the ownership is. Rudy, you want to tell us a little bit about the ownership in Winnipeg, or do you know? Well, they have a board. So they have a, they have, they have a board that has to answer to the, I mean, the provincial government. The only time They the answer to the provincial has, government? Yeah, they, at the end of the year, they have to give all their financials. But it's, uh, I mean, it's run by, not easily run by Winnipeg Enterprises, but it's not. Now, now it's Winnipeg Football Club, so they're, they're almost like their own organization but when they I, I they're not privately owned but they're run almost like they're privately owned their board they have a board and the provincial government I guess 
they gave the NDP – no, sorry. The NDP built the stadium, and then the conservatives just said, well, they're never going to be able to pay all the money back on this thing. So they just wrote the debt off. So mm-hmm. that's the only money the provincial government's given the bombers, and they well, they make – they make like three, four million a year. So I'm not. Uh, the, the, the bombers yeah. were 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 saved. They were bought out by, not bought out, but they were rescued by the provincial government at least two times that I know of. Okay, when they were that? on the. They, uh, they were no, on. I don't know. No. Yeah, 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 and even David Braley you'd have to, you'd have put in a lot of money I, into I, Winnipeg. When? No, that's wrong. That's when, no, it's not. When it, absolutely bombers? not. Because I sat down and had a conversation with David Braley, and he told me point blank that he did it. I know for a fact the bombers have ne- the bombers struggled in the er- in the in the late nineties. They had twenty two thousand they averaged, but they've always averaged over twenty five thousand a season. Even when they were bad, they were getting twenty six, twenty seven thousand. So I they've never been in trouble like Calgary or Saskatchewan was. They might have needed money like every team in the maybe in the nineties, but the eighties they sold out all the time. They had big crowds. I don't I don't know. I mean I I know they had some issues in the late nineties when they're only getting twenty two thousand. I mean David Braley specifically told uh told a reporter, not me at that time, but because we talked about it this later, is that he said that he has helped every CFL team in the league except Edmonton. Edmonton was an extremely well-run football team. And then not a, a year or two years later, he ended up uh, lending them $4 million for the Grey Cup game, which basically is why they lost Ricky Ray. Um, yeah, I know for a fact Winnipeg Enterprises didn't run the, the team very well at all. And they probably ran a deficit most years because they're ridiculous. Like they were just uh, just not well run. And then uh, Wade Miller dissolved that, and then this is why the Bombers have uh, become a better run team on and off the field since he's gotten there in, in 2013. Yeah, but he still has to. Uh, he still has to yeah. answer to the board of directors. And the board yeah, of directors right. has to answer to the shareholders. Who's the shareholders? Yeah. That's the bottom line. Who holds the corporation? And that's that's the thing that I've never had answered in Winnipeg. I think it's the provincial government. To a degree, but I can I can get I can find out. Like yes, it's a like community a owned team. I understand the concept of yeah. community owned team. Oh yeah. But, but somewhere every, but there's different there's different there's different you know, yeah. variations of community-owned teams, right? So Exactly. But, so I don't believe but, that the Edmonton Elks, at this point in time, when Lick, Rick Larichelle says that he is going to look at the corporate structure or the ownership of the Elks, that doesn't mean that he is going to be looking for a private owner. It just means that he may be looking for a different way of structuring the community-owned team. Which would mean then you'd become you'd become privatized. Then it'd be a different. I guess I don't know how taxes would work. I don't know how, but I mean, you got to make money to worry team? about taxes. But who? But who would want to buy that team? Who wanted to buy the Montreal Alouettes this year? I mean, look at them. Uh, they were an absolute fucking disaster. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I guess, but I don't know. And I think in Edmonton, you have that big stadium. What are they going to charge for a rent on that thing? Like, that would be, if they're going to get charged some kind of, if the city of Edmonton puts the screws to the new owner or whoever, I mean, I don't know what that would look like. It's, it's, with no it's, fans. That, w- that wouldn't happen. That wouldn't happen. I mean, trust me, 16,000 looks ha- not bad in, in Montreal. You know, 15,000 in Edmonton looks like there's eight people there. Okay. So, so yeah. William, do you have any word on this? Do you do you have any insight on what's going on up in Edmonton? No. Okay. Uh, so, first time, the first time I ever heard that was from you. When? Tonight? To be honest with you. No, no. Uh, a couple of days ago, you put yeah, something. Okay. I yeah. can't remember where. Well, I, so. I posted an article on it, um, which I can't do right now because I'm in Facebook jail. Um, right. <laughs> homework assignment. Sometime in the new year, before free agency, We'll talk about the corporate structure or the community structure of these three teams. See what you guys can figure out or find out over the three. Okay? Everybody take a shot at it. There's three teams. There's four of us. We should be able to find something out of how these teams are corporately structured. Yeah, it should be a matter of public record. Mm Mm-hmm. It should be. I mean, you, you, you've all, you've seen my plan. I don't know if Rudy did or not, but my plan to make BC Lions a community-owned team before when David Braley had them. And that would have been owned by a foundation. Right? So, I mean, it would be owned by something, but it wouldn't be owned by an individual or a corporation. It would be owned by a foundation that makes it a community-owned team. Um, so, anyhow... That's that kind of look into something like that over the next uh, month or so, two months, two and a half months. And let's see if we can come up with something. Okay. Now this next article, Mm -hmm. which is uh, kind of important to all of us, uh, it says, and and I'm going to read the headline because I'm totally confused by it. It says no blackout dates, CFL returning to balanced schedule in 2024. And I read this whole article. I read every word in this article, and I, I think I read it twice. What the fuck are they talking about by no blackout dates? Because they don't ever I mention th- it again in this story. I think that's just a, a clever headline. I don't think it really means anything. Like that was just a headline with no blackout dates because they say, oh, well, it's a blackout date because they weren't playing each team. I think that's what he meant by that. Yeah, I don't mean, think they literally meant blackout dates. It 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 it's it. I I can't even say it's clickbait because it's not. It but we all know what CFL blackouts mean, and it doesn't mean right. anything. I mean that's got to do with media attention. That's got nothing to do with the schedule. But, I mean, Randy Ambrosi said there was a lot of pressure that we were feeling financially coming out of COVID, but we decided we're going to go back to a balanced schedule. Um, Well, duh. He said that there's a lot of fans were deprived of meaningful Grey Cup rematch season when the Argos had already clinched first place in the East prior to meeting their lone meeting with Winnipeg. 
uh, it, they had a problem with the fact that the big-name stars like Bo Levi Mitchell didn't come back to Calgary to play or Andrew Harris didn't come back to Winnipeg to play. Uh, you know, it's just – it's not that. It had, had to do with the fact that they got to play – where was it? Oh, Hamilton – and Toronto played 12 times in the regular season in two years. Three years, sorry, three years, including four times in five weeks. I, no, but nobody is uh, – I don't know anybody who liked the scheduling in uh, 21, 22, 23. Nobody. Don't even know why they thought they could get away with it. So the fact that they're going back can, to a balanced schedule is a good thing. Go ahead, Charles. And can people stop trying to claim that the Eastern Division was better than the Western Division? So many people are claiming that, oh, well, look at the win-losses and look at how many wins and how many losses. First of all, there's five teams in the West, four teams in the East. And the Eastern teams were atrocious, or at least the bottom two were atrocious. And I said that the uh, Western teams had some bad teams too, but come on. The Western division was still better than the East. I'm sorry. It just was. Okay. Charles, the way I look at this is really simple. The Western division this year had three teams that were 300 or lower football. Okay. Not, not 500 football, 300. Okay. Six out of 18 games. Calgary was the best at six and twelve. Saskatchewan was six right. and twelve. Okay. Winnipeg right. was what four and fourteen. Okay. Those are three pathetic teams this year. There's no way to sugarcoat that. You cannot say the right. West was better. You cannot. Okay. But that okay, being fair said, enough. that being said, Ottawa was atrocious. Okay, same same record as Edmonton at fourteen and four. Hamilton four and fourteen, yeah. Four and fourteen, sorry. Uh, Hamilton, I don't know what they ended up with seven, eight, something like that. Nine, I don't even think. No, I think they were six and twelve. No, they weren't. They were eight and no, they weren't. Eight and ten. They were eight and ten ten, then. They were still under five hundred. I think they were eight and ten. Okay. Montreal, who ended up eleven and seven. Okay. They did not beat BC, Winnipeg, or Toronto. They are just as bad a garbage as Calgary, Edmonton, and and, uh, Saskatchewan, Hamilton, and Ottawa. They just happen to be the best of the garbage. Yes, now they're in the Grey Cup, and and they beat Toronto, and it's hard not to to say that. But in reality is, they did nothing in the regular season other than beat up a bunch of bad teams. Okay? Rudy's having fun with this the, uh, lately, but uh, it, I, I've been using it for years. But they're, they're the tallest midget this year. That's it. They, they were the junk of the league. They were just the highest, yeah. the best junk of the league. I agree. That was until they beat Toronto, and now they're 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 four quarters away. That changes everything now in the Great Cup. But I do agree. No, they were. It doesn't. Do you know what it does, Rudy? You know what it does? 
it shows that Toronto was not as good a team as what they were making themselves oh, out to. No, and the, they're not as good as their record. And they're only I there did. because of the way the schedule was set. Toronto it's, was it's not that good of a team this year. We said that before that game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This season, this season, this, this season makes it even more, more obvious the league needs to go to one division, but I don't, it never will. I mean, I, I I don't want to say it, but there really was only two decent teams in this league this year. But you can't dis, disregard Toronto completely, and I'm not going to. So there was three teams. The rest was junk. Okay, So the Eastern Division wasn't better than the Western Division, and the Western Division wasn't better than the Eastern Division. This was just a fucked up year. In fact, I have in my entire life, since I started watching the CFL in 1971, I have never seen this bad of football the entire season from both sides of the continent. I've never seen three bad Western teams, not this bad. There was a couple of years ago, BC was up there and, and we had three bad teams and it almost looked like there was going to be an Eastern crossover. But this year there wasn't even an Eastern team that was capable of crossing over. Everybody's going, Oh you know yeah, Ottawa's going to cross. No, they're not. It, it'll, you know what will be scary? If Edmonton and Ottawa are just as bad next year, they won't what's going to happen? Well, they the Ed- Edmonton, won't, Edmonton won't be as bad next year. I can't vouch for Ottawa. Edmonton will be better. The big question is, will – okay, and Saskatchewan has got to be better. They've got rid of Craig Dickinson. Okay? Mm-hmm. Saskatchewan is going to improve. How much? I don't know. Okay. What's happening in Calgary? They signed a quarterback the other day. I saw that. Wasn't anybody really impressive? They signed a defensive lineman. Well, they never are impressive, Christopher. Not with Huffnagel. I mean, how, how impressive was Mike Riley? Okay. Did you hear about Mike Riley before he came to the CFL? How impressive was Bo Levi Mitchell? Did you hear about him? Dave Dickinson. We could go on and on and on. So Dave Dickinson was a, off- was a top college quarterback in Montana, okay? No doubt about that. So, so was Travis okay. No, no, no. 90% of the guys who come to the CFL are top college quarterbacks. Right. Okay. okay. I'm just saying. So, yeah. so and I'm just saying, so it doesn't matter. I'm being optimistic okay. here. So will yeah. will Calgary get better? Yeah, I think Calgary will get better. Well, I hope so. so. I I hope for your sake. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I, I really do. Okay. So there's only a minute left in the show. I gotta close it down, guys. Uh this okay. has been Let's Talk CF this has been Let's Talk CFL podcast episode number 556. I've been your host, Christopher Jones. Uh, sorry about the early part. I had to go to the barn, watch some full report. Uh, we'll just, we'll talk about that one later. Uh, Grey Cup's coming up this week. It's going to be exciting. Uh, we're going to have a, are we going to have a new Grey Cup champion? Or are we going to have uh, uh, another well, one? Well, we will they... because Toronto's gone. No, we will have Toronto, a new Toronto's gone. We'll, we will have a new one, right? So this is going to be the start of something new. I don't know. We'll say it. 30 seconds left. Rudy, say goodnight really quick. Good night, everyone. Go Bombers. Charles. Good night, everybody. Enjoy the Grey Cup. And William. Good night, everybody. Go Owls. Go Owls. We want to see the Owls win.
What's going on here? Get this off my screen. <laughs> 